I realized too that you know this is much bigger than me. This whole healing of the of the world and and bringing light and love and joy and peace and restoration, cultivation of the soul is much bigger than me. So I invite you to go along the journey with me as the show evolves. You know I'm a veteran. I come from a family of veterans, and I was one of almost one of those statistics. I was almost one of those 22 veterans that commit suicide every day, and uh, it is truly a blessing to be sitting here. I can't thank Henry enough and all the people here at KUHS for welcoming me and allowing me to be uh, to have this opportunity to share what I've learned along my journey. And, you know, we're living in challenging times. There seems to be all kinds of things that are happening right now. I mean, even the planet is you know, experiencing hurricanes and fires and you know, earthquakes. And we're caught in something that we don't even know what's happening. There's a shift happening. There's something that's going on. And so um, we must embrace these times. On my journeys, I've, I've been to Greece, and uh, I spent some time in Thermopylae. And if you've ever had a chance to go to Greece, it is amazing. And Leonidas is one of my heroes. Uh, and we're going to talk along this show a lot about uh, leadership and what leadership is. And, um, and looking at people from, from ancient times to modern times. And uh, when I went to Thermopylae, it was here on this spot. Here on this, this place, this sacred land, uh, these men stood up and they were going to fight for the freedom, fight for the people that they loved, that they cared about. They were willing to sacrifice their lives to protect the ones in their way of life. They showed such honor, such integrity, such commitment to their values and their beliefs and for being free men. And when I stood on top of the mound where Leonidas stands out there and he sees Xerxes, his tent in the distance and the, you know, Herodotus tells us there was possibly two million men uh, lined up against the Greeks in this small armada of 300 Spartans and, and there was others there, the, the, you know, thespians that were there and other Greeks, but we all come to know the, the Spartans and when asked if uh, they would surrender, after Xerxes sends an emissary to him, Leonidas tells him if, if they want to surrender their arms, if you, want, if you want them, come and get them. And that's the kind of attitude we must take in our lives, that we can never be defeated, we can never let the darkness win, and we can always, always help each other to get to the light. And so I want to thank everyone who's on this show right now um, for listening in. And um, I'm embracing the opportunity here to be with you. And I want to tell you why I decided to call this show The Council. Um, one of the things that I've learned on my journeys is that, you know, we often convene a council when we want to be able to share stories and share ideas and be able to surround ourselves with other people who bear witness to the stories that we share. And we have to be, you know, allow a person to truly be seen, to truly be seen and, and be able to speak the truth that's in their heart. 
but how do you how do you do that on radio? How do you do that on TV? And so I looked at the definition of council, and a council could be it's this congregation and bringing together different groups of people for deliberation and consultation about things. And it's a place where people can come together to be able to learn new ideas and to learn a little bit something more about themselves. And, and that's kind of what I was envisioning. And so I looked up some other words about what council is, and, and it's pretty interesting what I found. Uh, similar words are clinic, a workshop, a powwow. Maybe we could do a powwow. <laughs> Well, that might be a little bit difficult. Um, a get-together, a huddle. Um, and we also have, you know, um, a symposium, a round table, like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Further. But I like the best symposium. Symposium comes from the ancient Greeks, and they would have these great parties and festival, and they would sit down and they would have a, in a free exchange of ideas where everyone got an opportunity to be able to speak about the things that were important to them and then include song and poetry and, and, and readings that were important and that, that cultivated the soul. And I was like, that's, that's what I want this show to be about. And so I thought about calling it the Warriors Council because we're going to be talking about, a lot about um, you know, warriors and soldiers and airmen and uh, Navy and, uh, and Coast Guard and, and the Marines. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that on this show. And we're going to be talking a lot about the warrior archetype and the different archetypes that exist in every human being. And so it's, but I thought it would be too limiting because PTSD and trauma is not just limited to, you know, the, to the warriors. I mean, it's obvious we, can, we, we have people who go and experience war, they're, they're changed by the experiences. They're, they're, they go there, young men and women who go out there and they serve their country and they raise their hand and they're fighting for those principles, the same things that the Greeks and Leonidas and the Spartans were fighting for, for that, that what free people do to protect other people, to give them that, that chance of living a free life, even at the cost of their own. And so that's why we do it. I mean, and so some of us have a bit difficult time coming back home. And so we have to help them to make that return journey back. And so we're going to understand and look at all the different ways that people can make that journey home and how, do, how we heal, how we tend to the soul, how we look at it from a holistic perspective because we're much more than just the mind. We're, we have to look at this from the, from the mind, from the emotions, from the physical body and from the spiritual perspective. Because we're integrated human beings. We have to look at it from that holistic perspective. And so I, th I saw that the, the Warriors Council was going to be too limiting. So, because other people get PTSD too. You know, I, there was a woman that I spoke to just recently who told me about her experiences uh, with a, you know, uh, a, a marriage that went bad. A very dysfunctional relationship. Uh, domestic abuse. And the trauma that she experienced. And I want to be able to give a voice to them as well. You know, PTSD happens to people who are not only in war, but their spouses as well, because when the warriors come home, they're changed. And so they come back into a society that is different, or they're different, but the society hasn't changed. And so it often comes, the, the war continues on within the family circle. 
And so they can get trauma and PTSD as well. Children can get PTSD from being in, a, in, in a dysfunctional parents or child abuse or neglect. But it can happen in an emotionally or physically abusive relationships. Rape. Uh, you know, uh, for men, uh, emotional abuse to a man is the equivalent to physical abuse to a woman. I mean, these are things that we need to take a look at and examine and understand so that we can grow as a society. You know, it, we can get PTSD from sexual assault or accidents or disasters. You know, the things that are happening in, in Harvey with, with the after effects and the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey and, uh, and uh, Hurricane Herma. I mean, that's traumatic. And people need to learn how to be able to, 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 to handle the emotions and the feelings and the experiences that they're going through right now. And so uh, it's – and police officers and first responders and people who are on the front lines. And that's the, one of the things that uh, people who are in the service or people who are, are on the, in our police officers and firemen, they go towards the danger while most people go away to protect lives. Life is most important. That's why they do it. Life is sacred. And that's one of the things we want to be able to communicate on the show is the sacredness of all life. Even those that we may not agree with, it's still sacred. And so you can also get PTSD from, from somebody who's in harm's way. If somebody, for instance, is, uh, you know, if a loved one is in prison or has gone off to jail or is, is in a war zone, just thinking about them every day, worrying about them, what's happening, what's going on with them can give someone PTSD. And so it's much bigger. This thing is so much bigger. And I, and I like to, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder is an anxiety disorder, yes. And it, is, it has symptoms of flashbacks and, and painful memories and um, all the, the, the anxiety and, and hyper alertness that comes along with it and not being able to connect with another human being. but. One of the people that I'm going to bring on this show is Dr. Edward Tick, who I can't wait for you to meet and to hear how he has brought together a pathway home for our veterans that has been verified through centuries of, and, and civilizations and, and all these different commu um, communities throughout our human existence have followed these paths in order to help bring our warriors back home. And so he has termed it, him and Kate Daltstead, his wife, soul distress, post-traumatic soul distress, that your soul is in distress because it's a wounding to the heart. No matter how you got it, it's a wounding to your heart. It's, you, as one Iraq veteran said it, your mind told you to do something that your heart knew was wrong. And so... Even though we deal with the symptoms of it, we have to go deeper. We have to find ways to get deeper into what is going on within the person, within the individual themselves, to find ways to be able to communicate that out there. And then there's also cultural and societal traumas. You know, there's another man I can't wait to bring on the show who's talking about the persecution that's going on with the Christian minorities in Lebanon and Syria. It will break your heart. And how about the problems that are going on with our African-American communities and our Latino communities, the Native Americans, the traumas that children go through that are caught in the child sex slave trade. I mean, there's so many issues out there that we need to talk about. 
And so trauma and PTSD is much larger, much bigger, and so I couldn't limit it to just the Warriors Council, although we're going to speak, be speaking a, a lot about it. So I thought about calling it the Council of Elders, right? <laughs> the Council of Elders. Henry's an elder. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we need to talk. And elders carry a lot of the wisdom and the scars and the wounds that their experience helps us to understand our culture and our, and our ancestors that much better. And they help to, to create a healthy or better society. And so we've got to listen to them. But we've got to listen to all sides. We've got to listen to the left and to the right, to the conservative, the liberal. We've got to the powerless and the powerful. We've got to give voice to the voiceless. And so in the effort to get to the truth of things, so that we can create a better, healthier, more peaceful world, understand the challenges that we face and be able to handle that and converse in healthy dialogue, not oppositional dialogue. We need to put down our swords so that we can find solutions to the problems that we have. And so that's why I brought on the idea of the symposium, this place where we can exchange ideas, concepts. And you may not agree with everything. I may not agree with everything, but I want it to be a place where we can open our hearts and open our minds to, to how other people perceive the world. There are seven billion people on this planet. And everybody's got a different way of looking at how life is. And if we can listen to their stories. And that's one of the most important things, too, is I want to bring you on the show. Hear your stories. Hear what you have to, what was your experiences? How did you grow from the trauma that you experienced? Share that to the community, because it is through community that we heal. It is through community that we're able to transcend our own limitations and find better ways to live together in harmony, in peace. And so that's, that's my vision for this. And sometimes it's going to make you angry. Sometimes it's going to clash with your beliefs or values. But if, if you want a kinder world, more compassionate world, we've got to allow ourselves to see things with new eyes and learn from each other. It's our ignorance that keeps us doing the same things over and over again. So let's work together to, to find, see things as they truly are, and find those solutions together. So that's my mission with this program, is to bring the world healing, understanding, wisdom, love, joy, enlightenment. Now hold on, I'm, I'm not a guru. I'm not, I'm not a guru or anything like that. So I, I just want to talk about enlightenment. It means the act of giving understanding. It's the state of having knowledge and understanding and the act of having knowledge and giving that knowledge and understanding to you. And I'll admit, I'm, I don't have all the answers. I, I, I wish I did, but I don't. Um, the more I know, the le I realize the less I know. But I'm gonna do my very best to bring you the smartest, the wisest, the best people that I know out there to bring you the best doctors, the best scientists, the spiritual leaders, the warriors, and those remarkable individuals out there that are doing tremendous work out into the community and are reaching out to help and serve others. You know, I'm going to share you some stories of my own odyssey and a little bit after 
this in just a few moments. I'm going to share you a bit about my story so that you can understand who I am. It's important to understand me uh, and your host. And, um, but I want to promise you that I'm going to do everything I can to give you all the tools that you need to overcome the challenges in your lives from the traumas that you've experienced so that you can reclaim and live the life you were meant to live, period. You're meant to be happy. You're meant to be joyful. You're meant to live in harmony with all that is. As Marcus Aurelius says, he is in harmony with himself, is in harmony with the whole universe. And every one of you deserves that. And so we're also going to have fun on this show too. You know, we're going to talk about philosophy and mythology and metaphysics and science and religion and spirituality, the mysteries of life. We're also going to have fun. We're going to bring in music and poetry and acting. I'm an actor. That's one of my, one of my many professions. And I just love it. Love the, the, the power of theater. And it's, it, it's an incredible power. The power of theater can heal in so many ways. It goes back to the ancient Greeks. The Greeks created theater. Um, Aeschylus, who was a foot soldier... Um, was the first one to have somebody stand outside the chorus and begin to speak and talk. And before that, it was a sacred ritual. It was a ritual for Dionysus. It was a ritual for Apollo. And then the whole community would go in and they would treat it as a, 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 a spiritual precinct. They revered it. And they would walk in and they would go there to achieve community and a sense of, 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 of commitment to healing the wounds they understood what the wounds were that that polluted a society because trauma trauma comes from the ancient greeks meaning a piercing wound it's it, it, it's it's some it's like a stabbing wound and they didn't look at it as just something that punctured your body which it could but it could also puncture your soul it, it was uh, an inanimate object a ship uh, or it could be um uh, would have a trauma and when one of us was affected all of us were affected we weren't isolated. We weren't, uh, you know, not touched. We, we worked together to help bring us all back home. And so they would come to these sacred precincts, these ancient theaters, and they would experience on the stage the tears, the drama, the unfolding of the tragedy. And that would evoke pity and fear and tears would come and all that had been buried in the unconscious all the pain and suffering would be brought forth and come out and be cleansed. They would achieve catharsis. Catharsis, which is the deepest healing that we can have. And that's the power that theater has. And so I'm going to be sharing with you my experiences with it and the things that we're going to be doing with it uh, here in the future. And so I hope you'll, you'll embrace it and enjoy it. And most of all, we're going to have real conversations with real people. You. You're the people that are, this whole show is about and who it's for. And if you know somebody who would be great for the show, please let me know. Contact me on my website, www.charliepacello.com. That's charliepacello.com or my Twitter account, at charliepacello. And let me know some people who deserve to have their stories shared. Because first experience stories are the best. And they're the ones that help us to awaken to the truth of what life is all about. And so it's my intention 
to bring you that, to commit to the highest levels of integrity in the pursuit of truth and grace. And I want you to know that I'm going to do my very best to remain honest, authentic, and truthful to all of you. So that's the council. That's what this show is all about, Henry. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, we are moving pretty fast. And uh, let me tell you that I have some announcements to make about Soldier's Heart. For those of you veterans out there that um, are from our Vietnam era, um, we have... Uh, I'm part of Soldier's Heart. Soldier's Heart is uh, is founded by Drs. Ed Tick and Kate Dahlstedt. And you can go to their website at www.soldiersheart.net. That's soldiersheart.net. And they are doing an annual healing and reconciliation journey to Vietnam. Uh, that's be going from October 31st to November 14th. And the veterans who have gone on this that, have, that are from the Vietnam era um, have found that it is absolutely one of the most um, life-transforming experiences that they've ever had. They've held on to that pain for so long, deep in their souls, and to, to be able to go back there and focus on the old war wounds and, and achieve reconciliation and forgiveness between the different cultures, American and Vietnamese cultures, and discovering, rediscovering the people, the wonderful people, and the culture and the country and the spirituality of Vietnam and helping to rebuild uh, Vietnam as uh, we heal our American veterans and practicing the healing of this deep trauma. So if there's any Vietnam veterans out there that would want to go, please go to the website and sign up. It's a journey that I, I can't recommend more highly. Um, I have had my own journeys with Soldier's Heart and, uh, you know, obviously mine were to Greece, but the, the ones that... Uh, that have gone to Vietnam, there's an immense catharsis that happens on these journeys as well. And so if you're interested, please, please go to their website. And they're wonderful people. They love veterans. Uh, Dr. Tick and Kate have been working with veterans for over 40 years, and they have dedicated their lives to the cause. And so please, um, please go. You won't, you won't regret it. And then in addition to that, I want to make um, an announcement, too, that this... Let me find it here. Speaking of Vietnam, there is going to be a movie on PBS that premieres uh, this weekend, September 17th, at 8 to 7. I think that's Central Time. It's by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick. And it tells the epic story of the Vietnam War, as it's never been told on film. Vietnam War is one of those wars that uh, left a deep fissure in our psyche, in our culture, and in our minds, and it affected thousands, uh, millions of people. And so this uh, is a unique approach. It takes in testimonies from about 80 different witnesses, including many Americans who fought in the war and others who opposed it. um, and looking at it from the Vietnam combatants and civilians from, from both the winning and losing sides. And so uh, it is a long thing. It is about 18 hours, so it uh, will take some commitment. But 
the New York Times, um, James Ponwazik reviewed it, and he says that Ken Burns' Vietnam War will break your heart and win your mind. And Hank Stuver of the Washington Post says, yes, America, PBS's The Vietnam War is required viewing all 18 hours of it. So please tune in. We must remember our brothers and sisters who were in the Vietnam conflict and honor their service. Uh, what happened to them uh, was not right. And they deserve the recognition and the honor that they deserve. They were young men and women who'd heard the call and went. And whether you agreed with the war or not, it's, that doesn't matter. They deserve to be recognized, valued, and honored for the service that they gave. And so I encourage you to watch it. I encourage you to go to Soldier's Heart. And for those Vietnam veterans that would love it, uh, I couldn't recommend it more. So that's my announcement on uh, Soldiers. And I can't wait for you to meet uh, Dr. Tick. He's going to be on the show on October 13th. Uh, and it's going to be a fantastic show. Other people who are going to be on this show is Dr. Sarah Larson, who was one of my mentors and teachers who helped me uh, at my most trying point to come back into the light. And so we're going to talk about A Course in Miracles, which was the book that really saved my life. And, uh, and then my special guest, who I can't wait to help. Um, I'll announce it when we set on a date, but uh, uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, what's going on with the, um, the Christians in uh, Lebanon and Syria. So this is a uh, powerful show, and I'm asking for people to, to support it, uh, for people to sponsor it. This could be the only voice out there that gives people an opportunity to hear what others are doing to help heal some of their deepest, most agonizing pain. So if you believe in the message in this show and who it's going out to, I'm asking for your assistance and help to keep it going so that I can reach as many people as possible to help them come and awaken from the suffering and darkness that they're in. So, what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at my elder over here. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I got my, my, my elder Henry here who's helping me out. I've, uh, you know, this is... Uh, my first time hosting a radio show and uh, so he's graciously sitting next to me to help me out to make sure that everything gets uh, done correctly and uh, to help ease the nerves that I have and make sure that um, you know I'm able to uh, you know continue and to be able to share with you what uh, what I have to share today um, a little brief introduction uh, of who I am you know I was uh, came from a family of veterans. Uh, my dad was in Vietnam. That's why Vietnam is so important to me. And I uh, fought two tours there. And my grandfather was in World War II. And he fought with uh, Patton in North Africa. And uh, so come three generations of military service. And they all suffered from war trauma. And uh, when my dad came back and married my mom, there was a lot of pain. And uh, I was born into it and so I watched a lot of this acting out from the wound which only perpetuates the wound but it was a lot of acting out from the wound and uh, it got seared into my into my memory and uh, you know that's why uh, I'm such an advocate for people who are caught in conflict within within uh, families to seek help 
Uh, you know, I also work with people who are going through divorce. And conflict between parents is uh, the number one that does so much damage to children. You know, keep the conflict away. <laughs> keep it away from the kids. Uh, there's a, a study out there called the ACEs study, and it's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences. And there's a direct correlation to the number of violent episodes, traumatic episodes, uh, anything that evokes fear, terror, or trauma uh, to a child is now considered primary PTSD. The way it affects a child's brain, the way it affects their chemistry, the way it affects, that's what they are experiencing whenever they see it or witness it because their brains are not formed at that time to be able to handle that kind of information coming in. The, the, the rational part of the brain is not developed yet. So from zero to five is such a tender age and it could set a permanent blueprint on how they will live their lives when it comes to relationships, when it comes to how they feel about themselves, their self-worth, um, their sense of connection to the world, and more importantly, to connection to themselves. Um, you know, if they feel that there's something wrong with mom, there's something wrong with dad, then it's got to be my fault, and that's a lot of way these children feel. Um, you know, that's, that sets a precedent for them, and then it becomes so deeply buried within the unconscious mind that, uh, you know, it, it shapes how they see and view the world. And so when I, uh, when I became a, I grew up here in Colorado, native of uh, Arvada, <laughs> and uh, when I came, when I got to be 18, or 17, I got uh, uh an opportunity to uh, go to the Air Force Academy, and I went there and uh, you know played football on the team and um, for a couple of years. I did uh, had a shoulder injury that uh, prevented me from doing it more, but I wanted to serve just like my father and grandfather before them, and was commissioned an officer. And then I got stationed in Los Angeles, um, Los Angeles Air Force Base, and. Uh, was working on the GPS NDS program, which is the Nuclear Detonation Detection Systems, and I was the chief for the mission, chief for the mission processing of the survivable mobile unit, um, which are these mobile units. And everything I'm sharing with you is is nothing I'm sharing with you is classified. This is all of my officer performance reports. So, and um, I was you know, in charge of these survivable mobile units that would only be used in integrated tactical warning and attack assessment and nuclear force management, which was end-to-end -end nuclear war. And so I couldn't put my head around that. You know, I was sitting in one of these mobile units and wondering, you know, what this was going to be used for. And I thought to myself, this is not really what I signed up for. I signed up to preserve and protect and honor life, willing to sacrifice my life to protect life, to ensure of its continuation, not to participate in the planning and the destruction of mankind. And I remember sitting in one of those mobile units and thinking to myself, mm, 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 mm. and it was like, it was like a spear, you know. <laughs> Somebody had stabbed a spear right, right here into my gut, right where my what my soul should be. And, uh, and it was this realization that uh, I was doing something that violated to me, to my core. It was a, what I call a moral injury. Uh, and it violated everything that uh, I believed in as the right way. 
and went against everything that I believed was was right and just and noble and virtuous and um, and and protected the sanctity of life. And uh, I started to uh, have nightmares. And a lot of guys in the Air Force, I don't know if you're my friends that are watching, they don't know this, but uh, I started waking up with uh, nightmares of uh, nuclear apocalypse, total destruction, terror, fires, burning bodies, uh, babies burned, and all these figures coming into me in my dream. You know, what, what happened? Why did you do what you did? And uh, I'd be frozen in my bed, locked in my bed. I didn't have these sweats. I couldn't move. And uh, so I, I started going into hopelessness and despair about my life and, um, and what I was participating in. I felt uh, a sense of betrayal um, and uh, feeling like I was caught in something I couldn't get out of. And uh, they kept coming. They, kept, they didn't stop. And so I ended up anesthetizing myself with alcohol at first. I used to drink a whole bottle of Johnny Walker on a weekend. But that wasn't enough. And so then I moved to drugs. And uh, the drugs were the things that uh, made me feel good. I wanted to feel good. I really wanted to die. And, uh, and then I was on this rampage of just pushing myself to the limit. And, uh, and then it came down to uh, where I couldn't live with my conscience anymore. I couldn't bear it. And uh, I ended up getting um, – I had a uh, Air Force OSI was looking at me uh, to help them to look up for, you know, to other people who were doing drugs, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't turn other people who I know were just doing stupid things at the time and you know, jeopardize their lives, their careers for um, a moment of stupidity. And uh, so I ended up turning myself in for what I did made a confession and uh, and then it turned out much worse. I wasn't offered any counseling or any kind of uh, help and uh, one thing turned into worse and I ended up getting a, uh, an under other than honorable conditions discharge and I carried the shame, the burden, the disgrace uh, and the dishonor from, for a long time and uh, but nobody knew how much pain I was in. I didn't know how to talk to it. I didn't have anybody to reach out to. There wasn't a radio show called The Council who I could call in and, and say, you know, listen, this is what's going on. How do I talk about it? And I didn't have it. So my drug addiction got worse. I got seriously, chronically depressed. Um, I couldn't live with myself. I could never forgive myself for the things that I had done. And... Uh, there was times where I came close to dying, uh, where I came close to overdosing. And uh, I can remember a couple times when my heart uh, almost stopped beating. And uh, so I ended up going into the arts and trying to find my way back um, and found the healing power of the arts to reconnect to the beauty that it is to be a human being and to find the beauty back into my soul again. And, so I went to the Stella Adler Academy of Acting and studied acting there and found what was beautiful and I uh, was going to dedicate myself to you know, being the next great actor that Stella Adler had produced and, uh, and uh, they brought me back to my soul and uh, I'm forever grateful for all the people there who helped me along the way. But it still wasn't enough. I wasn't dealing with the pain. I hadn't quite gotten to the point where 
I could uh, heal the deep wounds because I buried it. And uh, I ended up going to uh, Oxford, England to go do Shakespeare. And I met this beautiful woman uh, who I was my first love. And <clears throat> she, um, we're friends now, but, uh, you know, at the time, um, we, uh, you know, we, we had a beautiful romance. And but it, it turned bad. And I did some things that were... I guess I needed to, I still hated myself, and so I did things that were just not very not very kind. I cheated on her, I betrayed her, I, uh, I didn't love her like I should have. And, uh, and then when I recognized, you know, what was corrupt in me, and I, and I did make an honest effort to uh, reclaim uh, a sense of dignity and honor to her, it was just too late. And uh, there was a lot of traumas going on at that time, and uh, and then she left me suddenly and unexpectedly, and I didn't expect it. And uh, um, when I opened the door to our apartment that we were living in, I found all of her stuff gone, and she was like the, the last thing that I had to hold on to. And it was like somebody had reached right inside of me and pulled where she was out and just yanked it right out, and all of this... I was like I got torpedoed to the bottom of the ocean and, and all this stuff that had been blocked up, all this pain, it was a trigger, uh, unleashed and I was in excruciating pain. I was cuddled up, or huddled up on the bottom of my, on the floor of my apartment. I, uh, it was all this pain, this rage, this agony spewed forth. I was... Uh, a raging lunatic, and uh, but in such grief at the same time. And uh, I would uh, I would stare at the walls for hours and hours on end, and just break down into these uncontrollable sobs, um, so deep and so heavy. Um, and when people I was at work, people would wave their hand in front of my face, and I wasn't nobody. I wasn't I wasn't there. And every time I went outside the apartment, I wanted to run back to where the, where the trauma took place. And every time I opened the door, I kept re-experiencing it over and over and over again. And where my soul should have been, um, this is where my soul should have been it was not there anymore. It was gone. There was this big gaping hole that was in the center of my being. And it never left me. It was the most excruciating pain I'd ever had. And... I wanted, a, I wanted a suicide. I just wanted the pain to stop. I made such a mess of my life. Such a mess. And I wanted to end it all. And, uh, but something inside of me said no. Something inside said just, you got to keep going. Make it through one more day. And I, I got on my hands and knees. And I prayed for the first time in 15 years. Um, and knew, because I had gone away from the church. I'd gone away from faith I'd gone away from spirituality and so I went uh, I was at a crisis point it was my life and it was at, at stake and so I got on my hands and knees and I started praying like I never prayed in all my life because I knew I was in trouble and then I was doing this a course in miracles which was my lifeline and I was all the memories and all the feelings and the pain was resurfacing and all the traumas and all the nightmares that were coming back and all the feelings of not being able to escape um, lasted I kept it I kept going and then I found someone who, who offered to help me and said I want to help you and from there I've come back and so that's the thing you can come back from this you can if you want and I mean I, I 
I, I think to myself, five, five and a half years ago, I was, I was in such agony, and here I am now having a platform to speak to the entire world. And it is such a blessing, and so if I can do it, you can do it. I want to give you a couple tools before we go and close out uh, the show that will help you along your way, um, that helped me along my way so much. And one of the things that I want you to do is, is, is to write and create a gratitude journal. All right? Get a journal for, and do it for 30 days. All right? And in that journal, you write every day five things that you're grateful for. I'm grateful I'm alive. I'm grateful for that I have shoes uh, on my feet. I'm grateful that I have uh, a, a home that I live under. I'm grateful that I have beautiful friends and family around. I'm grateful that I have a cup of coffee in the morning. And, and every day when you wake up, write something that, makes, that you're grateful for. And it's got to be different every day. And then write also three things that you're grateful for not. All right? And grateful for not means that you're grateful for not being, not still being in a war zone. I'm grateful for not having a terminal illness. I'm grateful for not um, being caught in, in the eye of a hurricane. I'm grateful for not having, uh, you know, uh, for not drowning, whatever it may be. So that you're getting perspective and understanding of the things that you can be grateful for. Gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation helps to open our hearts. Now, as we'll talk more on this show, the heart is such an amazing instrument. And it's more than just a blood pump. It's more than just something that um, sends hormones and chemicals through our body. There's, it's an actual electrical magnetic field that emanates outside of our hearts. And that heart, um, when it's uh, feeling anger or feeling anxiety or feeling stress, and they can measure this. You can go to heart math. Heart math does all this science, and, and so you can verify it. And they do these these measurements, and when it's not in... Um, harmony and it's, it shows a very jagged and disoriented uh, it's out of coherence and it looks like that way on, 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 the, on the graph and what it ends up doing is it sends messages from the heart the heart sends messages to the brain there's actual communication going from the heart to the brain and the brain to the heart it's amazing and what that happens is the heart will send messages to the brain to that we're under stress that we're under danger that we're that we're we have to go into our flight, fight, freeze mode, and it will shut down the higher cortical centers in our brain, and it'll shut those areas down, and now we're in our limbic system, and now we're in our animal brain, and so we're living on off of reaction, we're living off of impulse, we're living unconsciously, and so if we can start living on survival, and so if we can start to bring appreciation and gratitude into our life on just the little things, and just just the little things. What ends up doing is that it'll start to regulate the, your, your, your nervous system, your emotions. You'll start feeling better about your life. And by doing that, it, the heart starts to feel calmer and safer and more present in the moment. And it will start sending messages up to the brain that says, all right, we're safe. Um, you can open up the cortical centers in our brains and it opens up the cort And that's, that's where we make... That's our reasoning. That's our ration. That's where we make, find solutions to our problems. And when they measure this, they, it's a very beautiful sinusoidal wave. It's very coherent. 
And so just a little simple thing as having a gratitude journal can make such a difference in your life. The other thing that I want to pass on to you is what I call what I call the bliss list. All right? Now you're probably thinking, what? The bliss list? What, is, uh, what do you mean by the bliss list? Right, right Henry? What's, what's the bliss list? Huh? The bliss list is a list that you make for yourself. It's, a, it's the things that bring you joy. All right? You've got to discover for yourselves what brings you joy. It's, yeah, it may sound silly, but I'm telling you that these, it, only you can define you. And if you allow the world to define you, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for, to be disappointed. And so by creating a bliss list, and you write a hundred things, a hundred things that bring you joy that are not dependent upon anyone else. You know, that's, uh, okay, you can have a couple, you know, because I like, uh, you know, to be around family and friends. I like to have a romantic partner. I like those things. But get so, use your senses. Use the things that uh, connect you to the life around you. You know, the, 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 the flight of an eagle. The smell of coffee brewing in the morning, the, uh, the sun beaming down on my face, the birds singing in the, in the, uh, in the air, the, uh, the, the taste of a, of a juicy peach, uh, the taste of cherry pie, going to the mountains and the smell of the, of the pine. Use all your senses, going fishing, you know, if you like to go fishing, doing those things. Find a hundred things that bring you joy. Because... When you're in trauma, when you're in experiencing a flashback, when you're experiencing something that is, you can go to that list. You can go to that at any time. Once you write your list and, and it's, you see that and you go, wow, that's me. I can define it. You make copies of it and you put it in your office and you put it in your car and you put it in your wallet and so you carry it with you wherever you're going. And whenever you're, you're feeling a moment of, of despair or depression, or a memory is coming back, excuse me, a, a painful memory is coming back, you go to that list. And one of the things that I coach people with is that you just breathe. Just breathe and focus on your breath, allowing the breath to come in. And you can have something like this on your wrist or a, a pinky finger or a ring finger on your pinky. And you could turn that there and, and you could focus and you're just focusing on your breath and you're turning. And you're just saying to yourself, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. As you're taking deep breaths, deep breaths in your nose, allowing the oxygen to come in and exhaling all the things that are no longer you know, serving you, inhaling all, the, all this inspiration and exhaling it and just calming yourself. And in your mind, you're saying, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. Say it 10 times. Do 10 deep, long, slow breaths 10 times and then find something on that list and focus on it and try to see yourself there and breathing it and smelling it and tasting it and touching it and being there and hold on to that as long as you can and then, you know, allow that being present. It grounds you into the present. And for just a few moments, that may be what all that you need. And you may go back to that time where, gosh, I don't know. It only lasted for a few minutes. Now I'm still angry or depressed or sad or upset. It's okay. Just keep doing it. Do it every day. Do it every single day. Scratch that record. What you're doing is you're scratching that record. You're doing something that is interrupting this unconscious process and pattern that is happening to you. 
And, and, and so you, the more you do it, the more you're rewiring your brain. The neuroplasticity of the brain is phenomenal. And what, what fires together or what stays together fires together. It, and it'll rewire your brain so that you're no longer constantly being bombarded by these things. And some days you may feel this, you know, Charlie told me to do this, you know, the silly thing of this bliss list and, and it's not working. It, it's not. No, do it every day. It's, it's just like going to the gym. When you go to the gym, you know, sometimes you're angry, sometimes you're upset, sometimes you're feeling bad, sometimes, you know, but you go to the gym anyway. And if I go to the gym for 60 days, you know, and I keep lifting those weights, it doesn't matter. It has, it doesn't matter. We're doing, uh, we've got a lot. Oh my gosh, we've got so many people here. Oh my God. <laughs> wow, we have, uh, this is such a, I am so blessed. My gosh, we have people from Colorado, Latvia, Ankara, Turkey, Kolkata in West Bengal. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening in um venezuela kenya oceanside california broomfield colorado uh wow wow thank you i am i am so blessed and honored uh to have you all on the show with me I only have a few minutes left, and I hope um, I've given you enough to chew on for uh, till the next time that we have our show. And um, I just want to bring in just a couple things here and tell you what leaders do. And this comes from a book called The Gates of Fire. And it's speaking about great kings, and this goes for great queens as well. And this, go, and this is all inside of each and every one of us. And we do this in our communities. And we do this all in, in, in our, just take the time. In our, to, that's where you make the most difference. Is in your communities, within your families, and in your friends. And you take these, these, these inspirational messages that people have given us. And you take it into your communities. And you can be the people that you want to be. All right, these are the, be a leader like this. He's describing in the book what a king is. I will tell his majesty what a king is. A king does not abide within his tent while his men bleed and die upon the field. A king does not dine while his men go hungry, nor sleep when they stand at watch upon the wall. A king does not command his men's loyalty through fear, nor purchase it with gold. He earns their love by the sweat of his own back and the pains he endures for their sake. That which comprises the harshest burden, a king lifts up first and sets down last. A king does not require service of those he leads, but provides it to them. He serves them, not they him. A king does not expend his substance to enslave men, but by his conduct and example makes them free. And that's what the show is all about, to make each and every one of you free to be who you were, who you are, and who you were always meant to be. If you love this show, please reach out and support us. Contact me on my website, www.charliepacello.com. That's charliepacello.com. Also, reach out to me on Twitter, at charliepacello. Contact Soldier's Heart. We're going to talk a lot more about trauma on future shows. 
And I just want to thank you, each and every one of you, for being here. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. And may you all be whole. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you for being here with me. And I think now the council is adjourned. God bless.